The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Brought to you by SAP. I am Bonnie D. Graham, and today's buzz is SMEs. If you don't know what that is, stay tuned. We will tell you that and more. Hey, a recent Oxford economic study of 2,100 SMEs, small to mid-sized enterprises, in 21 countries found that those SMEs who leverage technology to, I have a long list here, to boost innovation, to strengthen their customer relationships, to improve their agility and expand their business, those companies are able to compete effectively against multinationals. Hey, from small to big, wow. How do they really do it? I have a panel of experts who will tell us how that works. First on the panel, I'm going to be welcoming Steve. Steve Freeman from Decision First Technologies. Steve sent me the following quote. To achieve an agile and competitive enterprise, SMEs require the individual within flatter organizations to make better, more timely decisions. This reality places self-service information access at the core of a successful SME's information strategy. A lot of information in there. We're going to speak with Steve in just about two minutes and ask him to explain it for me and all of you. Also joining us today is Edward Cohn from Oxford Economics. And Ed says, and he quotes E.M. Forrester from Howard's End, those of you uh, literates, I will say, I am not among them, but I'm learning here. The quote is, live in fragments no longer, only connect. And Ed, I added the rest of the quote in here. And the beast and the monk, robbed of the isolation that is life to either, will die. And we'll talk to Ed about why he chose to quote E.M. Forrester. Rounding out the panel today is Kevin Gilroy from SAP. Changed his travel plans, and he's nearby. I'm on Long Island. He's in Philly today, and we'll find out more from him. But his quote is the following. Technology and innovations are the competitive equalizers for SMEs anywhere. Hmm. An SME can look as competitive as a large company. They can present themselves anywhere and compete globally with rivals of any size. That's important, and that's why our topic today is Equipped to Compete tech-powered SMEs. Welcome again to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Stay with us for the next hour. We have an awful lot of great information. Let me tell you who my panelists are. Steve Freeman is the VP of Operations at Decision First Technologies, known as DFT. They're an Atlanta-based business analytics consultancy focused on data governance, real-time analytics, and predictive analysis. DFT has been a leader in business analytics since its founding in 2001, and they're a seven-time partner of the year 
Bravo for SAP Business Objects. Steve has held senior leadership roles with business intelligence firms, including Cognos, Andeca, and Business Objects. Steve Freeman, welcome, and how are you today? I am excellent, Bonnie. Good. Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm actually in Atlanta. I was able to make it back home late last night. So Good, good, glad. And how's the weather down there? We love to know. I think it's about the same as in Long Island, a little little crisp in the air, but uh, it's that time of year. So Lovely. It is. It is. Waiting for the leaves to change. We're still very green here, but it's only September. have to keep reminding myself. Wish there was some heat at night already. And we're going to turn to Ed Cohn. Ed is a managing, a very interesting bio here, Ed. I don't know whether to laugh or just read a straight face. Ed is managing editor and senior analyst covering business technology at Oxford Economics. That's a serious part, which means he manages research projects about what works and what doesn't and what comes next in the IT world. Well, that's honest. Ed spent over two decades as a journalist in New York, France, and North Carolina. That's quite a spread, including stints as a contributing editor at Wired, an editor and writer at Ziff Davis, and a staff writer at Forbes. And here's the fun part. He has also freelanced for a bewildering variety of publications, writing about everything from rock climbing to politics. My question, Ed Cohen, is what did you prefer, writing about rock climbing or politics or something? in between well rock climbing was safer <laughs> well that's telling that certainly is where are you calling from today ed Cohn? i am calling from uh new york i'm based in north carolina but uh we have a uh, staff meeting tomorrow and so here i am well wonderful welcome and where in north carolina may i ask uh greensboro which is my hometown i have not gone far are you anywhere near Asheville? i'm about three hours from Asheville. we spend a lot of time in the mountains a lovely part okay. of the state. It is lovely. My daughter moved there. She's a physician in Asheville. And uh, whenever I hear North Carolina, I say, oh, there is life and civilization there. Good to know. Thank you, Ed. And joining us to round out the panel is a repeat guest on Coffee Break with Game Changers, Kevin Gilroy. He's Senior VP of Global Indirect Channels at SAP. Before joining SAP in 2010 as the Senior VP of Ecosystem and Channels for SAP North America, that was a big business card, Kevin. Kevin was president of Arrow Electronics Enterprise Computing Solutions Division. He also spent 24 years at HP, most recently as the Senior VP of HP's Worldwide Small and Medium Business Segment, which is why he's an expert and he's here. Kevin was honored by CRN Magazine as one of the 25 most innovative channel executives. He's a graduate, I would add a proud graduate, of New York's Long Island University and St. John's University. Welcome back, Kevin Gilroy. How are you today? It's great to be here, Bonnie. Thank you. Rumor has it you're in Philly and the weather is gorgeous. Is that right? It's crisp. It's crisp. One crisp. Okay, we're going to have to go with crisp, but that's what the vote says. Now let's go back and take a deep dive into these wonderful quotes my guests sent and find out what they really meant. Steve Freeman, Decision First Technologies. To achieve an agile and competitive enterprise, SMEs require the individual within flatter organizations to make better, more timely decisions. Let's pull that apart. What are we talking about flatter organizations and why do they need to make more timely decisions? Steve? Well, you know, in general, most organizations are getting flatter. I think we've seen that um, as you get, you know, trim the fat, you get rid of layers of management, you ask more people uh, to do more things, uh, and it's it's certainly more so within small, medium enterprise. So these companies, and, and there is a difference in size, certainly between a hundred million and, and, and getting close to a billion dollar organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a difference in sort of size and scope of those organizations, but still the, the fact remains that these 
individuals, these decision makers at, at all points in the business are, are being asked to, to make point of decision um, choices. And those folks can't make those decisions uh, in the absence of information. They can't be guessing and they can't uh, 100% base their those decisions off tribal knowledge and so what we find uh, within these organizations is that we need to uh, align you know that decision making process with the available information that's available whatever it might be and that 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 information gets bigger every day with things like Twitter and Facebook and sentiment or just all the various systems that you have in your organization uh, the key in order to, to allow those companies to perform in a more agile manner to make those better decisions is to align that data to those people at the right place at the right time. And so what we're finding is more and more companies are looking not so much at, you know, reporting and those types of things as it is supporting the decision-making process and really enabling those people that, uh, that are at that point of truth, so to speak, to have the right data at the right time in their process um, so that they can be more effective. So, you know, my quote was really about a, a general trend that we're seeing, which is getting that information to that point of decision. But in small enterprises, you know, you're not dealing with, oh, 40 procurement agents. You know, you're dealing with one or you're dealing mm -hmm. with two. They have a lot more say in, in what's going to happen uh, and making sure they're enabled to do that and not, you know, not necessarily pass the buck uh, is, is what we're seeing. Thank you, Steve. We'll be hearing a lot more from you when we get into the roundtable segment after our first break. Let's talk to Ed Cohn from Oxford Economics. Part of the reason for this topic today, Ed, is because of the research from Oxford. And I have to do a shout-out to Linda Sen, of course, for bringing the topic to us. So you chose to quote E.M. Forster. I'm not sure if this is right on the point here or whether we're way out in left field. So you're going to tell me, live in fragments no longer, only connect. What does this have to do with SMEs being equipped to compete. Ed Cohn? Well, I don't know what could be more obvious than the connection between a bunch of aristocrats in Edwardian England and uh, <laughs> small enterprises in the digital era, but I will elaborate if I must. Um, oh, please. I, you know, <laughs> Humor on. me. I, I, thought, I thought that I would put that English major, that long, long ago English major to use in ways beyond uh, doing the crossword puzzle. And really, Forster's point was that people's uh, driving forces that need to connect with others. And it applies to SMEs. And you actually appended the rest of the quote about how the folks who live alone are mm -hmm. going to die. It's a little grim, but it, it actually applies to SMEs. SMEs have to connect mm -hmm. uh, to global markets, to international markets. They have to connect with their customers. They have to connect with their own people in terms of developing uh, the human skills needed. Uh, to compete in a global economy, and they have to connect to each other. Um, you know, the survey reveals some very compelling data about the rate of globalization and internationalization, and a lot of that is not just selling in other markets. It's also partnering in other markets, supply chain, um, online exchanges. So connection has become the key for mm -hmm. SMEs uh, in, in all of these senses. And to... Uh, follow up with the, uh, the the sort of grimmer part of it that you you added about the people who stand alone uh, aren't going to make it. Yes, this connection and this globalization, this internationalization, it's coming to you as an SMA, even if you think you can avoid it. Somebody's going to globalize into your market. Somebody's going to start sourcing from your suppliers. 
uh, from another country or another region or another continent. So uh, it's, it is the value of those connections is going to be survival and growth. Very good. Thank you. And I, I want to say I'm sure whoever financed your English major college education is very proud of you, Ed, for continuing to use those liter- literati references. So I'll call my mom. I think you should. Tell her I said hello. And Kevin Gilroy, let's go into your quote. I, I love what you said here. Technology and innovations are the competitive equalizers for SMEs anywhere. And then you go on to say an SME can look as competitive as a big company, present themselves anywhere, compete globally, and here's the key, with rivals of any size. So talk to me, Kevin Gilroy. It sounds like you're saying exactly what the others are saying, but let's talk about this competitive equalizer. How does that work? Yeah, so I agree with everything uh, Ed said. Um, uh, basically, what we're seeing with technology and the combination of technology and uh, the next generation of leadership who are extremely comfortable with this technology are using it to uh, run small-medium companies uh, around the world, not just in a local trading area, which was uh, the norm just a few short years ago. Uh, today we see companies working out of houses, we see them working out of small mm-hmm. offices, and again, using mobility technology, analytics technology, level the playing field with uh, global Fortune 1000 companies and compete and beat many of those companies, again, with a comfort for technology and now the ease of procurement of technology, consumption of technology, and really what I would call the consumerization of technology for the SMB uh, business. Thank you, Kevin. And you know what? You've taken me right up to my first break. When we come back, I want my three guests to think very carefully and very long and hard about your favorite coffee break story. Where was it? What was it? What did the cup look like? And how did it make you smile? We're going to be right back with lots more here on Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. My guests today are Steve Freeman from Decision First Technologies, Ed Cohen, Oxford Economics, Kevin Gilroy, SAP, and I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that dial, that app. We'll be right back. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we 
are. Let's find out what's in your cup today. Steve Freeman, talk to me. What you're drinking or what would you like us to think you're drinking? Well, you know, it's tough coming up with a story for our uh, this coffee section that was, you know, safe for public consumption. <laughs> but, uh, oh, well done. <laughs> but I, I thought through it long and hard. I was actually going to the airport last night and uh, and pumpkin spice latte from oh. Starbucks. I don't drink it, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I do. I do enjoy seeing it because uh, it just it's that time of year. You know, it's fall. It always comes out in the fall every year for for some time. Uh, football season starts as we mentioned earlier. There's a crisp uh, feel to the air, and, uh, and it represents the best time of year, September to December, uh, when all the decisions are made and all the budgets are cut and people are back from <laughs> vacation and they're ready to do, they're ready to do something finally. And, uh, and so I just love this time of year, and it all starts with a pumpkin latte. I love it, and I will also tell you that Thomas's English Muffins has a special variety of flavor at this time of year, probably to go with the Starbucks, and I think it's called Pumpkin Spice. It was in the market when I went this morning to fill the larder with English Muffins, but i got to tell you, I didn't buy them. After the show, I'm going back, and I'm going to get one and have one in your honor. How's that, Steve? Good? Perfect. Perfect. I'll take a picture and send it to you. Ed Cohn, my friend, what are you drinking today? Well, I, I will tell you that I did see this morning uh, on my morning rounds on the Internet the first hint of a social media backlash against pumpkin spice. So just be forewarned. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to be very literal. What's in my cup is yes. uh, are the dregs of my one very strong cup of coffee that I enjoy every morning. And what I wish was in my cup was maybe my fourth cup of coffee. But and uh, what would the, that coffee be, Ed? Tell me. What is is it? Is it uh, high test? I like to call oh, it. It is, is it. it is the darkest roast that is uh, street legal in North America, and it is made uh, so that if you were putting sugar in it, which of course you wouldn't, um, the spoon would stand up in it. Uh, but I, I, I'd limit myself to one. I, as I say, I wish I was on number four, but uh, those days are gone, and I think there's a valuable lesson for us all there, but I don't know what I it think is. So. I, I don't think we know either. I'm assuming the caffeine is the high test part, yes? Oh, wow, yeah. over the... Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. They, Ed, secret, don't tell anybody. They don't let me have caffeine on radio days <laughs> at all, so just plain tap water, but it's filtered. Kevin Gilroy, I know you have a story for us. What are you drinking today, Kevin? Yeah, I'm drinking this concoction of uh, mixing coffees. I've become this coffee mixologist, so it's uh, it's two parts of uh, just a normal coffee with one uh, part of an Italian espresso that I buy at Whole Foods, and uh, that adds uh, just enough caffeine to to keep me up to speed with this next millennial generation that uh, I get to work with day in and day out, and uh, I enjoy it quite a bit. But I have to admit, I drink two, three cups of it to, to put in the long days uh, required in this industry and that I enjoy so much, but it's, uh, it's good stuff. Wonderful. And and interesting, you mentioned millennials. We did a two-part show a couple weeks ago, Kevin, about fashion retailers and millennials. And the title of the show was, um, let's see, it was pay attention to them or or cater to them, market to them, or or perish and die. So we've got a very potent, palpable population there. They're going to have a lot of money, a lot of spending. They love fashion. They love high-end. And it took us two weeks to cover that. So I'm intrigued that you're working with them and you need that much caffeine. Go, Kevin Gilroy. Absolutely huge. Can't can't miss it up. Okay, let's dive into our conversation here. We're going to start the roundtable. I'm going to kick it off with Ed from Oxford Economics. 
comics. I don't know if you're the comedian on the panel. I think everybody's got a great sense of humor today. But, Ed, let's talk about a theme that came up in the opening segment, and I'll, I'll quote a talking point you sent me. The world is shrinking fast. SMEs will earn a much larger share of their revenue outside their home markets within three years and do business across a much wider range of markets. Why don't you bring this home for us a little bit from, from the research? What does Oxford Economics Research show to support this? Okay, and I apologize for the noise. Uh, as soon as uh, you named me, a large truck decided to idle right outside my window. Um, but we did this survey uh, in the first and uh, second quarter of this year, and we went out mm-hmm. and we've now gone to 23 countries. We've added two more mm-hmm. and uh, looked at SMEs uh, all across the world. And what was you know, one of the strongest findings was not just increasing globalization, but the pace of that globalization. The amount of revenue that SMEs expect to generate uh, beyond their home countries and the number of countries in which they will be doing business in three years, it's pretty startling. The, uh, the percentage of revenue generated outside home country, um, there's like a, a two-thirds jump, a 66% jump, and the number of countries who say they'll be getting 40% or more of their revenue outside their home country. Uh, 20% or more generated outside their home country. There's a 36% jump uh, in three years. I realize that's a lot of percents, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it, the short version is there is going to be a dramatic increase in the amount of revenue flowing into SMEs from markets outside their home country. And uh, a complementary data point to that is the number of countries in which uh, SMEs will be doing business. And as I say, this is not just sales. It includes sourcing and partnerships. But the number of country, the number of SMEs that will be doing business in six or more countries three years from now is going to grow 130%. Now, you've got to be careful of the rule of small numbers. Mm-hmm. You're starting from a, a base of, of about 15%. But it's going to go almost to 40% of SMEs are going to be doing business in six or more countries. Uh, and, and what you're seeing also at the, uh, on the same chart in red, the number of SMEs doing business only in their home country and generating revenue only in their home country is going to plummet. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. So much for the E.M. Forster quote about connecting and, and dying alone versus dying alone. Very interesting. Steve Freeman, do you have any statistics on this? I know I'm looking at a whole bunch of numbers you sent me. I'll quote one here and we can dive into it and, and see where you, you take this. Uh, you said 75% of North American companies, so we're talking our, our home base here, believe technology helps them achieve longevity and sustainable growth. So the companies you're talking to, the ones you're consulting with at Decision First Technologies, are they of the same mindset of what Ed Cohn described in the Oxford Economic Study in terms of the world is out there, it is part of their marketplace, it's growing whether they like it or not, and it's coming to them, so they better go to it. What are you finding? Well, you know, you certainly see that, and it's funny. I was I was reflecting on some time back in the in the in the 2000s, so the early 2000s, when I I, I ran mid market sales for for business objects, and you know, it, it's all about accounts, and it's all about account size when you're dividing those accounts out, and Google was, was a small-medium enterprise, just to put it in mm-hmm. perspective, right? They were definitely one of our accounts, and, uh, and we, we sold to them and everything else. But, 
um, you know, these companies are dynamic and they're, they're really across the board. Um, we see some organizations that are more manufacturing uh, in nature. Uh, if they're a small, medium manufacturing organization, they might be family-owned. Uh, and all of a sudden they find that their brand, whatever it might be, has, uh, has adoption, you know, outside of the U.S. And when you're looking to grow, uh, you can either, you know, steal market share from someone else, white label in, in, in the case of a manufacturing organization, mm-hmm. uh, or you can find new markets. So I would say that technology certainly has enabled these organizations to, to set up shop, to, to sell, um, to partner with organizations out, outside of the U.S. And, and effectively deliver those markets or those products to those markets. So I would say there's no fear. Um, mm-hmm. to going into those markets. And I think that technology has certainly, um, you know, enabled these organizations to, to have a presence virtually that's just as effective. And, and I think to the earlier point uh, made by Kevin in terms of, you know, familiarity with technology, we, we've certainly seen that. We've seen these, these users or, or end users in our world or just business people uh, become remarkably comfortable with technology and, and the level of expectation that they have. Uh, in terms of access to that technology, you know, I must, I, I need to have the same uh, technology interface at work as I do at home. You know, why is it mm-hmm. so easy to do things at home and I can't do these things at work? Um, it's no longer, uh, it, it's no longer acceptable for, let's say, the IT department to mandate certain things. Um, that those executives at the highest levels of these companies, for the most part, know how technology works, and they. And they want to push the envelope um, uh, with that. So, anyway, I think that um, in going into these sort of cross-border growth opportunities, um, mm-hmm. technology is very much an enabler there, and uh, and we're seeing a dramatic increase uh, in that. Thank you, and, and I want to seize. Thank you, um, Steve. I want to seize on something you said. The word collaboration. I have some information here from Kevin Gilroy talking about how the strategy is paying off. Where. 60% of the largest and most profitable FMEs are engaged in collaboration. Kevin, you're talking about forming alliances. I don't think we brought this up yet. Forming alliances with suppliers and vendors by collaborating via, here's the technology part, online business networks and platforms. Can you expand on this for us, Kevin Gilroy? Yeah, uh, thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, we're seeing uh, networks build both informal networks and, and very formal networks and technology being the conduit of those networks. So we're seeing uh, sales agent models pop up around the world with uh, delivery and installation networks aligned to these sales efforts, as an example. We're seeing the Ariba network uh, accelerate e-commerce and peer-to-peer consumption models becoming easier, faster, quicker, more affordable. So again, we're seeing both informal ones build up using things as simple as mobility, you know, iPhones and and, uh, iPads, and we're seeing more formal ones build up as well. And um, that's accelerating at a very rapid pace and shrinking the world more and more and more for these SMEs. And again, back to the original comment in your prior segment, it's now equalizing that playing field because a network of local intimate delivery agents can sometimes be more effective than uh, the most well-run Fortune 500 company in delivering Kevin, uh, uh, services or supplies to a, to a customer. 
Thank you, Kevin. I want to ask the whole panel. I don't think we've talked about what kinds of SMEs we're discussing here. Is it every industry? Is it certain parts of the of the industries? Is it manufacturing? Is it uh, some kind of products? Is it services? What kind of companies? Because our listeners would want to, many of them may be SMEs, and they'd be saying, gee, I wonder if they're talking about me. Yeah, I do that. Or how would I climb on that bandwagon? How would I use technology to compete? Maybe I'm not ripe for that kind of tech, tech expansion. So what kinds of companies are we talking about? Kevin Gilroy, can you start this? Yeah, Bonnie, it is absolutely a perfect question because I think when, when suppliers and companies think about the SME marketplace as one big homo- homogeneous blob of customers, that's a mistake. I think okay. you really need to go through multiple lenses, one being the industry lens and the other being the size lens. What my um, my doctor's office with 10 employees needs is very different than Armstrong Industries out here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, that has 1,000 employees, but is still classified as SME. So what we strongly believe is that these affinity communities and these industries by, again, by two dimensions, the industry and the size, and even the micro or sub-vertical industry need to be understood. Let me give you a very quick example. If yes. I'm a, a doctor in a clinic with 25 employees, I want to understand who has deep knowledge of my industry in radiology for small to medium radiology clinics and that partner base. And it can be from anywhere around the world. I just want to know that they understand my business as an example. So, again, the sub-segmentation of the SME segment is absolutely critical uh, in, in order for suppliers and technologies to get uh, traction in the space. Thank you, Kevin. You know, we're up against a break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Ed Cohn and Steve Freeman to expand on, on their viewpoint on what kinds of SMEs we're talking about. Let's use examples like Kevin did. But I want to do a shout-out to David Slavinsky, one of our big fans at IBM, and he says, yes, thumbs up for Northeast India Tea, whatever that is. Hope you're having a good one today, David. And Malcolm Kimberlin, my co-producer at SAP, says, bad cold and meds are trying to get me down. No worries. I fight back with Phil's coffee. Malcolm, I think you have a new career as a jingle writer for Phil's. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. Great panel today. They even have a good sense of humor and they're really smart. Steve Freeman from DFT, Ed Cohn, Oxford Economics and Parts Unknown. Kevin Gilroy from SAP. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that dial, that mouse, that app, whatever. Brad, take us out. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram 
at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, as the man said, we'd love to have you join us on Twitter. We're at hashtag SAPRadio. I don't care if it's uppercase or lowercase. You will find us either way. Join the party. We've got Malcolm. We've got David. We've got some other people here. Thank you for tweeting. We were talking when we left off at the halfway mark where our topic today is equipped to compete tech-powered SMEs. And I was asking my panel to help us define what kinds of SMEs are in this conversation. To whom are we addressing these remarks so we had some really good examples from Kevin Gilroy at SAP, and now Ed Cohn from Oxford Economics is going to describe in words and music <laughs> the pie charts from his studies. Ed, who is who are these SMEs? Are they any particular industry? Uh, Kevin was great at telling us it could be as small as a doctor's office and all the way up to a big company. So tell us, who are they from your point of view? So we segmented uh, our research. We went after five large industry segments that actually cover a good bit of the global economy uh, with roughly equal responses, some slightly larger. We looked at retail, wholesale, manufacturing, professional services, and consumer products. And uh, Steve had mentioned earlier the segmentation between large and small. Uh, one other area way we segmented was regional. We looked at uh, Asia Pacific, EMEA, North and America, and South America. And it is meaningful to speak of SMEs as a cohort in terms of what they're doing and how they're doing it. But within these different ways of segmenting the SME world, you do see differences. Unsurprisingly, uh, large company with corporate structure does do things differently than a small professional for services mm-hmm. firm. We spoke to uh, the CEO of a small firm in Paris who had just expanded into Brazil, and their response to being global was they were now doing business in English so everybody could speak to each other. Um, we spoke to a big sporting good manufacturer called Hibbit uh, in the U.S. who's about to expand out of the top range of $750 million uh, and no longer be an SME. And obviously their needs, their technology investment are very different from a smaller firm. But we did find uh, a coherence within that larger group of SME. And just to follow really quickly on a point made earlier, uh, mm-hmm. technology friendliness and technology adoption is really high. Once again, there are regional variances and size variances and industry variances, but you are seeing these companies across the differences uh, adopting technology and being more likely to be early adopters than to be reluctant adopters. Good good to know. Good to know that spirit is there. We're going to talk in a few minutes after Steve Freeman joins us part of the conversation. I'd like to expand it to the analytics part. Where should they be looking, these SMEs? What kinds of analytics will boost their opportunities to compete effectively and be those global equalizing elements, the technology that is, to help them get ahead? So Steve Freeman from Decision First Technologies, would you like to add something to this conversation about to whom are we addressing these remarks about technology? What SMEs do you see on your landscape, and and, uh, what industries, what sizes? You know, it's really across the board, other than I I would say that we probably have a low watermark of about $100 and that's a rough number, but we we tend not to do 
too much with the doctor's office, as an example. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that might not be an area we focus on. But certainly the, you know, the, the smaller company, $100 million and above, um, that would be our, our sweet spot. But outside of, in terms of industries, it really crosses you know, all, all industries that are out there. One of the things that, in reading through this document that was interesting, that, you know, there is this assumption, I think, that small-medium enterprises are maybe uh, more open to change, more innovative, uh, more agile. I don't know if that's really the case. I think some are. Uh, I think it's much more of a mindset uh, within any organization. Uh, some of the oldest acting, uh, you know, not not interested in change organizations I've ever met uh, tend to, tend to be SMEs, maybe a, a family-owned manufacturing company, 250 million in revenue. It's the grandfather or the grandchild, you know, running the company. Uh, mm-hmm. Those guys tend to, they've been doing it the same way for a very long time. Um, but when you find that change agent in the organization uh, that, says, that says, hey, we need to do things differently, uh, that's, when, that's when you can start implementing new systems. Um, one one uh, interesting stat I, I think I took from the, from the survey was the, the focus on customer service and the fact that how we deal with our customers, how we uh, are responsive uh, to their needs is really a high priority. It was a high priority within social media, mobile, mobile technology. It wasn't as high in analytics, which, which I thought was a little bit strange, um, mm. because we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing you know, how we deal with our customers, uh, how we address their needs, how we can get ahead of the curve with respect to um, services that we can bring to, to market. Uh, most organizations see you know, how they interact with customers, either retaining them uh, or acquiring new ones being a real significant driving force in, in where they want to put their money. Thank you, and I want to turn to Kevin Gilroy. I have a statement here from you that says, SMEs are keenly focused on business analytics. That's a broad topic, indicating a commitment to technology as a platform for future expansion. What are you seeing, Kevin Gilroy, from your vantage point at SAP and your many years of experience in the tech field? What are you seeing? What kinds of business analytics? What is right for what type of, what size of, what industry of SME? Talk to me. Yeah, again, a couple of things we're seeing in healthcare, for example, we're seeing the uh, big data being used to take costs out of the system, not only, and also improve the, the patient experience. So we're seeing now, um, big data technology, predictive analytics being used in healthcare to assemble data from where they see like disease, like issues, like, um, DNA, uh, medication uh, protocols, et cetera, from around the world, bringing them together into an analytic platform and coming out with the best um, recommendation for the patient or the best treatment procedures for the patient, as an example. Another one we're seeing is based out of need. We're seeing many uh, SME customers, particularly in the mid-market, who are using predictive analytics to understand their own customers and potentially new customers and customer acquisition. Mm-hmm. They can't afford to be making the 10,000 phone calls a day that was the past of telemarketing or sending out the direct mail pieces to 50,000 people. Now they're targeting their market with predictive analytics really effectively and bringing down customer acquisition costs. So those are a couple of examples that we see with business analytics. Thank you very much. Steve Freeman, I know you have some numbers on this as well. Survey shows a pronounced increase in business analytics coming over the next three years, up to 58%, and a similar increase in cloud, up to 47%. We haven't talked about cloud. Steve, jump in here. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Those are the two themes that we're seeing uh, really across the board, but very much with small, medium enterprise. And so, uh, you know, my takeaway from the survey uh, was, was really a reflection of what we're seeing, which is if you're not doing cloud, we're absolutely considering it, and we would prefer to do it. Um, you know, I think some of, the, some of the reasons are obvious, others maybe not so much, but um, the, the risk associated with it, or at least the perceived risk of, uh, of cloud computing in general, uh, I think is, is diminishing every day. You know, and it started with, some, with certain uh, vendors, uh, certain applications that, that hit the market, things like Salesforce.com and others um, that, that were, were very quickly adopted. But now we're seeing wholesale movement of systems and whatnot uh, into the cloud. And, of course, the reasons are we don't want to have you know, that infrastructure internally. We can be a lot more agile if we allow other organizations to, um, you know, take over that aspect of our business. So uh, I'm seeing a lot more willingness and, in fact, mm-hmm. um, people pushing to, to do that, which, and it's all happened relatively quickly. So I think that's a huge movement. I don't see that changing. Um, from a business analytics standpoint, I've been in the space a very long time. It's always the number one <laughs> goal of every company is to use their information uh, you know, more productively, and it, it never seems to diminish, and it always seems to be top of mind. So uh, the, the thing that's maybe different now, again, one is marrying the, the comfort level those uh, business people have with technology. Uh, you don't have to train people how to use this stuff. They absolutely know. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a heightened expectation there. But there's also so much data now that's available. And those, um, those inputs, if you will, into the decision-making process are becoming you know, significantly greater. And the, the better you can use that information, all of it that is at your disposal, uh, it's just the easiest way to get competitive advantage. It's by far the cheapest way to, um, to obtain that competitive advantage over, over all aspects of your competition is to make better decisions with, with relatively available you know, data. So our clients in the SME space, really across all of them, but it's very much a, um, uh, a way to nullify some of the advantages big competitors have is to use that data in the hands of those decision makers uh, to much better effect. So that's, uh, that's very much an area that we're seeing increase and, uh, and it's driving a lot of the decisions people are making about where they're going to invest. Thank you, Steve. And I want to explore some barriers to technology adoption. I see this from Ed Cohn at Oxford Economics. Ed, you say SMEs have issues. Hey, we all do. But specific barriers to technology adoption can hold back even the most ambitious companies. And I think we're all making the assumption here that the SMEs we're discussing, very broad brush industries all over the world all, and many industries, different sizes, as Kevin mentioned, uh, we're assuming they are ambitious. Everybody wants to make a profit. They want to make more money, have an easier life, yada, yada, yada. We're all committed here. But one area where SMEs should do more, meaning they're not doing enough, Ed Cohen, you say, is the cloud. So what are you seeing, continuing along this theme? So we looked at five technologies. We looked at business management software. We looked at analytics, cloud, social, and mobile. And we did find some barriers to adoption. And one of the ways we found analytics to be really important, to use another literary quote, know thyself to transform and change and become global and become competitive, you really have to understand your own business. So companies are focused on analytics uh, to, as part of the big part of their transformation effort, and transformation is a, a big deal in the SME world, yet they struggle. And they struggle with data accuracy, they struggle struggle with quality of data, 
and they struggle with cultural issues. And, and this is true across the board, getting people to um, – it, it's strange. Everybody uses mobile in their personal life, but getting them to use it as a business tool can be a challenge. And cloud, cloud was an area that we were a little surprised because a big part of this story is making technologies that were once available to large enterprises – democratizing them and bringing them to smaller mm-hmm. businesses and leveling the playing field, equipping people to compete, as it were. So you would think that the cloud would be uh, a baseline technology, an enabling technology that would allow a place with a small IT shop to operate uh, big-time you know, ERP software, for example. And yet there's a bit of reluctance to adopt the cloud. And a lot of it's cultural. A lot of it mm-hmm. is... Uh, based on fears about security, understanding the value of the cloud. Uh, and one of the things we found is that human factors and culture factors are huge for SMEs, but certainly the relatively anemic uh, adoption of the cloud, something like 35% uh, use it, as you say, that's going to go up to almost half in three years. It's a lot, but it's less than the other four we looked at. And that seems, it seems like an obvious route for SMEs, uh, that they are not taking in the numbers we would have expected. Interesting. We'll save some of that for the prediction segment, which is coming up right after the break. I want to do another quote here to take us out of this segment. And thank you for a great roundtable, my three guests. Um, our literati expert, Eng- former English major Ed Cohen, sent me the following. As William Gibson said, quote, the future is already here. It's just not very evenly distributed. Amen to that. Thank you, Ed, for that. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're speaking with Steve Freeman, Ed Cohn, Kevin Gilroy. When we come back, we're going to ask them to look ahead into that crystal ball. I don't know. I'm, I want to ask you if it's a Steuben crystal ball. I don't know what it's made of these days. Hopefully not plexiglass and not cloudy. I want them to look ahead five years and tell me what will SMEs in technology be doing in five years. Tech-powered SMEs, will we even be having the conversation? Will it just be understood? They'll all be in the cloud. They'll all be using high-tech and business analytics. We'll find it when we come back. Don't even think of touching that dial. Bread out. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we 
are. And here's a quick note for my Game Changer listeners. Are you wondering how mobility can transform your business? We've been talking about it and alluding to it for the past hour. Well, you can learn the key ingredients of a successful enterprise mobility strategy. Go to our page on the Business Channel. Look for the Coffee Cup logo, and you'll see some banners. Click any of those banners. They should lead you down the Yellow Brick Road to a page with a lot of freebies, including a CIO playbook with our compliments. Okay, gentlemen, my panelists, Steve Freeman, DFT, what do you see in the crystal ball? Can you take me five years ahead for SMEs and tech? Yeah, I think, well, I'll try. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, I guess I, I would disagree just a little bit with Ed and his synopsis of, um, you know, of the study around cloud. I mean, I do believe that SMEs are, are maybe a little bit behind where we might have thought they could have been, uh, but there's no doubt in my mind that five years out, uh, cloud will will very much be the uh, the driving factor on a lot of decisions. I think that trend is here to stay, and I think people are are just becoming more comfortable with it. So five years out, more systems will definitely be in the cloud. There will be more interoperability between all of these systems. Um, but the to me, the I guess the big trend is going to be more and better information and the use of that information around the customer. You know, we're seeing uh, able to track people's usage patterns. We can track people inside of retail establishments. We can understand where they are uh, on my floor. I can serve up coupons to them at the store. I can then use just just an enormous amount of information to then make um, very meaningful decisions about how best to serve them products, how best to position things uh, in my location, or, or, or simply how to target those individuals, making better use of that sort of moment of truth or, or little bit of time we have to interact with that customer. So uh, to me, the, the big trend that will continue to be enhanced is uh, mobile, uh, definitely how we're going to serve our clients and our uh, employees in a mobile fashion, how we're going to have better intelligence on those consumers, how we're going to have more information about our manufacturing processes, but how we do that in a more of a predictive way. So instead of people cranking through spreadsheets or even um, business analytics tools to look for that grain of truth, uh, to be able to serve up that truth to either the, my customer or my employee you know, at that at that pivotal time, I think there's going to be a lot more focus on that um, in five years out. So much more Thank mobile you, world, Steve. a much more cloud-based world. Great. Good to know they're headed in the right direction. Thank you, Steve Freeman. Ed Cohn, you want 30 seconds for rebuttal and a minute and a half for pred- for predictions? What, what do you want to do with I, your I, two I, minutes? I agree with Steve. I, I don't think it's the case that cloud is uh, not happening and not going to happen. It just isn't as well accepted now as we might have expected given the progress SMEs have already made both in adopting other technologies and in globalizing. So I I think Steve's right though, not only is it happening, but as it happens in a bigger and bigger way, it's going to have almost a slingshot effect on uh, on the globalization trend and on these other technology trends where the, the cloud will assume that role that I guess we might have expected it to have um, already as, as more of an enabling technology. So I think when you look out several years, you see a world that is more interconnected, and that connection is routine. You have these partners around the world, your sourcers, your, your suppliers, um, your co-branders, and your customers everywhere, and it's just normal, and it happens in the cloud. Your customers are mobile. Your business is mobile. I'm a uh, 
I'm old enough to remember a, a job uh, which was informally known as the fax guy. And the fax mm. guy, his job was to rip the thermal paper off the fax machine. And kids, go ask your parents what a fax machine was. And uh, bring the faxes around to everybody's office. I think that in the same way, that guy's five-year career um, that that came and went as the technology changed and then the technology aged out. Five years from now, a lot of the things we're discussing now, we're going to look back and we're going to say, "Oh yeah, that was an issue, wasn't it? Oh, huh? Isn't that quaint?" Um, so I think so, these trends are happening so quickly, and they're coming together. Uh, and, and interweaving so much that I think in five years uh, you're going to see a maturity to this tech story and this globalization story that is uh, sort of hard to uh, to imagine right now. Ed, I have a question for you. Would we even be having this conversation in five years from today, tech-powered SMEs? Would there be anything surprising about it? Will your statistics, will the numbers that Kevin Gilroy and Steve Freeman are giving us today on the show, would those be closer to the 90 to 100% rate in terms of adoption of technology? In other words, would you be an SME even living and surviving in five years if you didn't empower and power yourself with the best technology? What do you think? I think I think uh, whether it's five years and ninety percent, uh, you know, we can quibble with, with with the ranges. But yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think the pace of technology adoption has gotten so high. But if you look back, I think the number of firms that had telephones in 1880 versus the number that had them in 1920. Uh, I'm sure in 1920 people were looking back and say, "Why didn't Dad want us to have phones again?" Um, and I think that's exactly where we'll be with a lot of this technology. I, I do think people say, oh, we're not going to use the cloud. We just use Facebook, Salesforce. They don't even think of these as cloud-based services. Of course. They're already in the of cloud. Of course. Thank you for expanding. I appreciate it. Kevin Gilroy, last but of course not least, predictions I can give you about just about two minutes on the dot. Talk to me, Kevin Gilroy. Thanks. I can go fast. I, I kind of agree with the, the other speakers here, but I think it's going to be even faster than the experts are predicting I think that it's an interesting concoction that we have going on or a dynamic uh, going on, and that is mobile technology accelerating at the pace it is with cloud technology making the acquisition, the consumption affordable and easy, uh, plus the millennials and the next generation of leadership taking over these SMEs is driving this consumerization of technology, as I mentioned earlier, that is just going to accelerate this at, uh, and blow away, in my opinion, all the predictions. So to answer your question of earlier, in five years, I think if you're not, in tech, if you're not technology enabled, you'll be out of business. Yes, and, and I want to mention to you, Kevin, and, and to my other guests that we're starting a new show in a couple of weeks called Startup Focus with Game Changers. We're going to be talking to today's startups who I believe within five years will and probably should be smart enough to become those SMEs who will know from the get-go what they need to do to be tech-powered. So that's going to be exciting, and I hope you all be listening. Thank you for your predictions. Let's see. I have, uh, yes, I have a note from Brad. He says, all this tech talk makes me want to work for SMEs. 
ASAP. Okay, Brad, you can apply too. Anyway, I want to do some thank yous after I tell you my predictions. Guess what? I wrote them down because it's all about what's coming up on the next shows. Next week, September 25th, really? The month's almost over? Manufacturing, idea to performance. Very interesting topic. Great panel shaping up for that one. You want to tune in next Wednesday. But we have a new show we started two weeks ago called HR Trends with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern. Next Tuesday, September 24th, the topic will be leaders showing up. The Power of Leaders, Teaching Leaders. That's a lot of leadership in that title. And October 1st, we'll be talking again about a very important topic, Diversity and Inclusion, the Business Impacts of DNI. Also, you can find our recent mini-series, Financial Excellence with Game Changers, on the Business Channel. Go look for the Coffee Cup logo. We think we're all over the place now. We have so many series going on. Special thank you, Steve Freeman. What a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show today, sharing your insights and your pie charts and your statistics. Appreciate it, and all best to you. Ed Cohn, great sense of humor. Glad you're doing something productive with that degree in English or whatever it was. And tell Mom we said hello. Great insights, and thank you for the Oxford economics information. Kevin Gilroy, always a pleasure to have you on. And I have instructions from our engineer to invite you all back. So consider yourself invited, and we will do this topic again maybe mid-year in 2014. So I'll send you a note. Special shout-outs to Linda Senna for bringing us the topic, Linda at SAP, John Scola, and Lindsay Nice, who helped us with the logistics for Kevin Gilroy. Appreciate it. Malcolm Kimberlin, hope your cold goes away soon and keep drinking that fills. And, of course, Brad, Ryan, Jeff, and Jeff, and David at the Business Channel team. Thanks for your support. I'm Bonnie D. Graham for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelts. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.